very unexpectedly, the Poland Spring Resort has become a very important thing to the Shaddocks, to our family. And we want to tell you a little bit how this happened, because it was, as usual with most things we do, it's backwards, um, dis, uh, just absolute, uh, a rolling uh, cluster event that just led to something absolutely wonderful. So last year, I um, I was worried. We brought our son to summer camp for the first time, and he was going to be gone for two weeks, and I got worried. I started to get very worried, In and Alice said, okay. He was up in Maine. Alice said, okay, just go visit him in in during visiting day, and so you can just relax, okay? She saw that I was just a ball of nerves, and I, I was really worried because he'd never been like alone for a long time. I didn't know. So, so I drove up there. I went to Expedia or something. I got a room at the Poland Springs Resort. And I thought, isn't that cute? The water company has like a couple of rooms. I was thinking it would be like a tiny one-level motel or whatever. So so I drove up there, and I get onto the resort, and these there's this ornate grounds and landscaping and um, in these buildings. Then you drive up to the, the main building, the main inn, where you check in, and it looks like the White House. This is just so ornate. And it was right out of the past. And I thought, how do I not know about this? The place is absolutely, it, it, seriously, it's idyllic and be beautiful. Well, anyway, so I checked on my son, and I didn't have much time to, to check on the resort. But when I got back from my son, I went into the bar and had a uh, had a drink and, and just looked out at the richly um, paneled, uh, appointed walls and furniture and all the history and all the pictures of celebrities everywhere everywhere and it just kept it in mind say i gotta come back here sometime when i have some time with my family so we dropped my son off two weeks ago to go to again and we got a room then and you know we did a bit of a bit of a segment bit of a show on the resort mm -hmm. because we had a little more time then, but, but we still didn't have very much time and we were in at night out in the morning on the road back to massachusetts so I reached out to Cindy Robbins, who is the owner. She and Mel Robbins um, owned the hotel. Mel passed away. Cindy now owns the hotel and runs the hotel, the resort. The ho I guess I should be saying hotels because there's a bunch of lodgings. Runs the resort. Yeah, including like cottages and stuff. There's a golf course and some like a driving range. There's a few different... And various restaurants. It's really like a resort. There's a bunch of different stuff there. Oh yeah, that's all owned by yeah, her. Yes, you never have to leave, which is something we'll talk about. Which was which was the which was the plan centuries ago when the Ricker family owned the resort. So well, right, just like anywhere you would go, like uh, you know, in the, your favorite place, the um, <clears throat> what's it called, the um, the New York place. Oh, the, in the Catskills? Yeah, in the Catskills. Right. Like, it's like that, and it's out of the same era, too, it feels like, all Ye that. Yes. So, Cindy corresponded with me back and forth, we're corresponding. Mm -hmm. She actually listened to the podcast, uh, there, were, there was a mention as well, and I found it very interesting that I was working on reservations, and she was doing it herself, very right. hands-on, and she's the, the owner of the place, and I thought, isn't that interesting that she's that involved? Still, and now I'm not surprised at all, because this is a such a unique experience. The level of hospitality is right up there. Now I think it surpasses the big cities where mm -hmm. you know you had used to have to take courses when I worked at Ritz Carlton, etc. The the hospitality skills of this team in Maine at the 
at the Poland Spring Resort is it's just it's high. It's incredible. And everybody's personable, which a lot of times you don't get in big city places anyway. But it was it, it went from the hotels to the housekeeping staff to the restaurants to, to everywhere. But I want to start here because in, if you go to our Instagram and our Twitter and stuff, you'll see pictures, etc. I want to start with how this became, became a thing because it's not what you think. Unless you've been to the Poland Springs Resort or, or looked it up, if you're like us, we thought there was a water and then we found out there was some lodging. It's not like that. It was lodging and then water. Mm-hmm. And so it starts out in the nineteen in the seventeen nineties, where the Rickers yeah. um, bought a log cabin and he actually traded it a log cabin and some 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 um, land, a couple hundred uh, acres. So listen to this. <clears throat> During their first week in their new home, a stagecoach stopped near the Rickards' small cabin. The driver asked permission. This is available, by the way. The Poland Spring walk hand in hand with history. 1790s today. Um, the driver asked permission to water his horses. Mr. Ricker was preparing the, the noonday meal for her family, Mrs. Ricker, and invited the driver to his three pass- and his three passengers to join them. They all enjoyed the simple but well-prepared meal and promised to return, leaving a small amount of money in payment. Before long, word spread that Molly Ricker was an unusually good cook, and that stopping at the Rickers was not only assured one was not only assured of a good meal, but the freshest drinking water anywhere. On these recommendations, other stages came, enjoyed the Ricker hospitality and the cooling waters of the spring, and passed the word on to others. So this is how it happens. They they realize they're onto something. They had the spring. The water's delicious. And and in nineteen in seventeen ninety four, uh, Jabez or Yabez, J A B E Z, Jabez maybe. Ricker and his two sons, Wentworth Samuel and Joseph, began construction of a large two story gable roofed house. Wentworth Ricker selected the site for the first inn at Poland Spring. A kiln was built to cast the bricks and and forge uh, and a forge to make the nails. In the summer of 1797, the inn was completed. At its door was hung the simple sign, Wentworth Ricker, 1797. The Montreal to Boston stage lines made the inn a regular stop. Others followed, and in a short time, it became the best-known inn in northern Massachusetts. Business thrived, and there was talk almost immediately of adding rooms to the original structure. Uh, during the War of 1812, Jabez and his sons became one of the prime contractors supplying horses for the army. This is the War of 1812. More land was purchased and lumber was cut and hauled to the shipyards of New England for the construction of warships. By the end of the war, the Rickers became one of the wealthiest families of northern Massachusetts. 1820, to equalize free states with slave states, Maine is severed from Massachusetts. Um, Jabez Ricker dies. Wentworth planned on building a road through Poland that would connect Paris, Maine with Portland, Maine. Everything was in readiness for construction when Wentworth became ill. Wentworth Ricker was suffering from a severe kidney ailment. The doctors declared him as incurable. One day in passing this spring, uh, one day in passing the spring, he remembered, um, that's Poland spring, what had happened to his brother Joseph some 27 years before and drank from the spring. He had jugs of water at every meal and drank nothing but this water for several weeks. As suddenly as they had come, the excruciating pains disappeared. He continued drinking the spring water every day of his life and never had another pain. After his miraculous cure, he returned to the plan, constructed and constructed the road that's now Route 26, which is a big road up there. So, so then it goes to 
Hiram, um, Hiram Ricker. Right, who's the the guy whose name is listed on the Poland Springs bottles as the founder of Poland Springs, the right. company. So now listen to this origin story, else. Mm-hmm. In the early spring of 1844, in state of disrepair by the rapidly deteriorating financial situation and his poor health, Hiram wandered out to the fields and lay down in a meadow. Although his sisters entreated him to return to the house, he was so despondent that he shouted them away and lay in that meadow. The only thing that sustained his life was the water from the spring. Days later, he returned to the house with the heartiest appetite he had enjoyed in many years. So passed the humors of his stomach, and his ruddy good health was returned to him. He related his tale to the doctor of the miracle cure of the water. Seeing his patient in better health than ever before, he asked that a barrel of the wonderful elixir be sent to him on the next stage. One month later, Dr. Clark sought out Hiram and told him that each patient to whom he had given his Poland water had made remarkable recoveries. He wished to purchase the water for prescription purposes. Before long, physicians in Boston, New York, and Philly were demanding that water be sent to them for dispensing to their patients. Wagon masters heading westward heard of the additional unusual quality of Poland water. They, too, bought hundreds of barrels uh, for their long westward treks. For the same reasons, there was hardly a clipper ship that left New England ports that did not carry Poland water. It was not long before Hiram Ricker realized that there was more money in the water than in all his sheep and lumber. He, would, he had changed the economy to sheep and lumber when, um, when people started taking a train instead of wagons, which would mm-hmm. pass by Poland Springs. He turned his full attention to the sale of shipping of Poland Spring water. So, um, and I was talking to the docent at the Poland Spring Water mm-hmm. um, Museum. There's a few different things happening at in in Poland, Maine, at the Poland Springs Resort right now. There's a Poland Springs Resort. There's a Poland Springs corporate headquarters and a museum of the Poland Springs Company history, which yep. obviously is very closely tied to the resort's history because. They were one and the same for many, many years until after the Great Depression. And then um, there's also what is very cool, um, the Main State Museum and the All Souls Chapel, where we've actually had like at least two listeners now contact us and tell us they got married in the All Souls Chapel, to which I say, like, good for you, because that is a beautiful, beautiful little church with stained glass that just like glows oh, and yes. lights up. It's like a magical place it's really really beautiful and like great mosaic artworks on the floors and it's it's really a beautiful little chapel so the chapel and the main state museum are owned by the poland springs um preservation trust i think it's called um but a separate nonprofit organization that is just about preserving these and this is the main state museum because um this was a building that was actually built for okay i'm not allowed to get to that yet let me jump in right here alice okay in 1891, Hiram Ricker received word that Poland water was to be recognized by a special award to be made at the Columbia Exposition in Chicago the following year. Although his health was failing, he insisted on So going- that, by the way, that's the, 19- the 1893 World's Fair that the White City, that the book The Devil and the White City is written about. A lot of people are aware of that fair yes. um, because it's been pretty big in pop culture, but obviously a huge, huge event that like looms large in national history. Yes, absolutely. And the Columbian Exposition of 1893 commemorated, commemorated the 400th anniversary of Columbus's discovery of America, and it was a notable event. It was lighted by the new wonder, electricity, and featured most of the innovations of the 19th century. And there's a picture in this book, and, and we'll try to tweet it out, of the big Poland water 
Columbian Exposition uh, booth, which is a huge ornate thing. Like everything was then. So they were in attendance then. It was very cool. And I mean, this is what's so awesome because, you know, this whole thing, this whole fair, all these buildings were thrown up, like huge buildings, um, very few of which are still in existence today, some of which were saved. But they essentially built a whole city out of nothing for this huge fair, the way, you know, China builds huge cities today, like in a couple of years. And then it was like torn down and disappeared when they were done with it. I mean, but really incredible just architecture displays of all the craftsmanship of america all this stuff the first ferris wheel Mm -hmm. which our kids were very impressed by when um our museum tour guide laura told us that each of the um ferris wheel cars was the size of a school bus and held like 60 people (laughs) it was a crazy huge ferris wheel um but yeah the that, I mean, you should read about that World's Fair anyway, because yes. that's just fascinating in and of itself. Um, but so each state also sent a, a people to create a building at this World's Fair. A bunch of countries did also, but the states all sent buildings to show off the craftsmanship and history and special talents of that state to the Columbian Exposition. And... Um, Maine at the behest of Hiram Ricker, who, you know, owned Poland Springs and all this stuff and was of a charitable mindset, was the only state that said, you know what, we should save this building. We should hang on to it and preserve it for the future. And they did. They took apart. They had 18 days. Yes, this is um, amazing. Because this entire city that they built for this fair in Chicago you know, was being like torn down, taken apart. The railroad tracks that went to it were being torn up. And they were like, well, the only way you're going to be able to get it out of here is on this train. And that's going away in 18 days. So if you want to take it apart and ship it out of here, then on the trains, then go for it. Right. So they took apart the whole building, labeled all the parts, put them on a bunch of freight cars. I forget how many freight cars she said, like, but it this is like a hugely ornate and huge building. Right. This is a three-story. This isn't like a little shack. This is right. a three-story huge building with like custom carvings and all this stuff to it. Yes. They packed up all the pieces and then they brought it back to Maine to the Poland Springs um, resort lands, everything there, and put it all back together. And it was used as a part of um, the resort. <clears throat> Thereafter, so there was all this stuff on the bottom floor showing off the Columbian Exposition stuff. Then on the second floor, they had actual like guest suites. Special guests of the Rickers would come and stay in the guest suites on the second floor. You can see there's like little balconies coming off. It looks like a castle, this building. It's super cool. And it has all this beautiful carving work to show off the craftsmanship of Maine. Yes, every detail is just in, in... It really was a, an exposition in the sense that putting on parade all of the talent. Right. And, and so it, then on the top floor, one of the Ricker daughters ran an art gallery where she would go down to Boston and get the latest and greatest artworks from up and coming artists and show them off and sell them in her gallery on the third floor. And it has this beautiful like glass window ceiling in the center of this atrium and all these stairs and balconies that looked at incredible building and it would have just been torn down. i'm sure the other state buildings were gorgeous too but that's the only one that was even there and then the museum shop is the best museum shop i've ever been to yes 
where there's, you know, it's not like reproduction replica stuff and like cheap junk in there. It's like you can buy vintage Poland spring bottles. You can buy Colombian exposition memorabilia, like actual memorabilia that you could have gotten at the 1893 World Fair. World's Fair, you can buy that there. Souvenirs and things from the World's Fair, different um, specialty little like collectible spoons. Apparently, there was a huge spoon craze in America at the time of the yep. 1893 World's Fair. Thanks to the witch spoons. There were these famous witch spoons that were this huge collectible craze. And so um, a ton of vendors went and sold um, collectible souvenir spoons at the fair. So it's like the biggest collectible spoon event in the ever and there are like whole books like volumes you can buy to identify like which spoons you have from the fair because there's just so much there's like hundreds of types of collectible world's fair spoons from the 1893 columbian exposition so um but they have this stuff in the museum shop like you can buy it and we did it was very very cool um to see all this various history and everything and then we had talked about this a little last time but one of the rickers also was into dog sled racing and dog breeding opened a dog kennel and brought togo one of the um dogs from the serum run to live there and retire there after his kind of victorious world tour and um there's a statue of togo there the kids were really into that there's a storybook trail where they, you can go and, like, read the whole Togo story as you walk down this half-a-mile trail in the woods. Um, so, really, like, a huge amount for the kids to do there between all this stuff. They even braved most of the museum, our kids, with, yes. w- with minimal complaining because, you know, we're really into that, but we kind of tortured them a little bit, dragging them through all the rooms of the museum. But... um just so many great stories and everything. And, like, are you going to play Laura from yes, that I, museum? Yeah, I will, well? definitely. Okay. And that brings me to just how rich the history is and who has been there. President Taft stayed there in 1912 and 1913. Um, Woodrow Wilson stayed there. Henry Ford, members of the Astor and Vanderbilt families. Uh, Amy Lowell, Richard Strauss, Robert Frost, Irene and Vernon Castle, Vernon uh, Victor Herbert, J.P. Morgan. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, you know, I assume signed the guest book. It is J. Pierpont Morgan. Walter Hagen. Um, Joe and Rose Kennedy honeymoon there. Did yes. you decide that? Their picture was in there in the main state yes. museum. Yep. Calvin Coolidge. Mae West was a frequent visitor. Um, Babe Ruth. It's it, just amazing. They also, in the Golf Hall of Fame part of the museum, have a bunch of George H.W. Bush memorabilia because he's in the Golf Hall of Fame, I guess. So they have like his golf bag that says number 41 on it and stuff. And that was kind of cool, too. But like so many various celebrities, politicians, presidents, Kennedys, Bushes, like whoever. Yes, and we'll get to more of them. It's like the who's who has stayed here and gone here. Yes, it was in a sense. And they had, there were TV shows that were done there, movies were filmed there. There was so much happening there. Mm -hmm. And you're right. This is uh, Laura at the. Um, at the museum talking about um, uh, Lindbergh. In 1927, Charles Lindbergh flew over the golf course in the spirit of St. Louis with intentions to land on the course, but too many people ran out and crowded the fairway and he was unable to land. His aunt and uncle were staying here and he was able to scribble a note and drop it down and they did receive it. 
Ultimately, he went and landed uh, at Old Orchard Beach to refuel um, huh. instead of here at Fort Spring. Isn't that great? Yeah. Isn't that great? And how America is that? They crowded the golf course. It's it's interesting because this is in Maine, which at that point was must have been much more sparse as well. We're dealing with an oasis in, I mean, other than mm-hmm. railroad towns, an oasis amongst the woods. And, um, and to think that it was such a hub at that right. moment. I wish I could talk to people because it, it, at that point, I assume at, at that point that the fame of the water had surpassed the fame of the resort, but maybe I'm wrong. Because, I mean, people could import the water. I guess the entire experience is what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Other people who stayed there, Joan, Joan Crawford was there, uh, Sonny Liston before he fought, Lewis didn't Yeah, before, he trained there for his fight fought. with Muhammad Ali. Exactly. He trained there. Uh, yeah, they took him out golfing. Robert Goulet with uh, Tootie Feldman. Jack, Jack Parr actually um, stayed there and was, um, was a... Uh, and he bought the, the the TV, the local TV news station there that was right down the hill from it, like on the property. Was it in the downstairs of that the presidential, presidential building? Yes. Yeah. So they were there and then um, they actually were able to run wires and cover it live when the huge, um, original huge hotel building burned down in right. the 70s. And this one, this original hotel building had something like 500... Rooms, yeah, they yeah, could like, it was re- seat 600 in the dining room. It was wild how yeah, huge it was. Right. Just like, that's like as much as the park house or maybe more, which is actually mm-hmm. also built by a guy from Maine. Um, it, it was just em- enormous. These buildings were enormous for the time. And the, just the, the audacity of the Ricker family to envision and execute is talk about the story of America. Oh, yeah. And it's just gorgeous. And so... For our, oh, what was it? Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, Diantha, her name is Diantha, right? She <laughs> yes. is the. Is she, she was the docent um, this weekend at the um, Poland Springs Museum. Yes, the actual water museum, museum which is right. down the road, which is a lovely little walk mm-hmm. down the road, and you can actually see the original source, which looks like a Greek temple. Right. It's so it beautiful. Says, um, Sapienta Donum Day, which means wisdom is a gift of God inside in the mosaic work in there. Right. Which is, in, it's really cool. Yes, and you can see the water flowing under it, and you can go in and talk to talk to the docents. And Diantha, she it, we were just talking, she was very funny. She just about the the idea that they were selling this water that had been promoted and then won a prize at the World's Fair, the 400th anniversary of the, the discovery of the West in the globe. Mm-hmm. The World's Fair. All the promotion, all the word of mouth, all of these stories of people being cured of ailments from this stuff. Imagine having a business where your product costs you nothing to make. Right. It's, well, you have to bottle. You've take got it bottle, out of the No, I know, but it. but you're not. They're not manufacturing water. They're just right. capturing it. Right. So imagine, imagine it. So. Eventually, the the water company split from the resort company, and then the third is uh, kind of the st- does the state run the five hundred one c three? No, the a five hundred one c three is a charity. It's just separately run. Okay, so so that's where we are now. Now, getting back to some of the all you can eat parts of all you can eat, um, we ate. We Everywhere? Only, yes. <laughs> so we ate the first night. We went to uh, Cindy's Dockside. That's named after Cindy Robbins. And um, had had um, seafood, 
that was the seafood night. We're in Maine, Cindy's Docks outside, as you do. I had the love. Uh, we should add on to that before we get to Cindy's Dockside, which is named after Cindy Robbins, who we talked to. Mm-hmm. We should mention that when uh, she and Mel Robbins bought this uh, resort in the 70s, when it was probably at its low point of being in a state of disrepair and just, you know, difficult yes, financial the, difficulties it, and all, it, it all it kinds of problems. It was this close, Alice, to being a development Right. It, yeah. I mean, Condo, this thing houses. is going to be done. So Cindy herself, who owns it today, uh, as you said, her husband passed away, is kind of a badass. Like, yes. she started off as a waitress in this when it was in these like financially turbulent times and rose up to become um, the whole like chef kitchen manager you know is she, she started did. working there at 17 right. when she was a waitress and you know within a year or two is like plating meals for 400 in these huge dining yes. rooms and, and talk to which her about- that's like I, I mean talk about the story of america like continuing on that yes and also they wore three different uniform forms because they were working all three shifts right which is so this was i mean that's right right this I think that was might have been earlier. Oh, was that earlier history. than okay. I think that okay. might have been more in like the Kennedy days and stuff. Okay, when they were uh, so that was at their high time. point kind of of luxury because at this point, it, you know they. But the story of Cindy is the, in as the a, presidential as... or not the presidential the big um the big building was already closed and right. they were looking at ways to kind of financially figure out how to restore it and stuff and then right after she and Mel Robbins kind of bought it out when it was in this. Um, state of flux and after financial difficulties and everything that big building burned down there were like vagrants staying in it because it was in a state of disrepair and the building went totally down so that's gone today um and you know so they were kind of and and they struggled at first a lot to get the hotel going it wasn't they were trying to do it as a luxury place they had trouble with that and it wasn't until they kind of said this isn't a place just for the astros and the vanderbilts and the kennedys anymore this is going to be a place where anybody can go and enjoy this main vacation and they had like 25 dollar weekends and they were doing this kind of trying to make it affordable for everyone to have these built-in vacations where you could do everything up here in maine it wasn't until they kind of rethought it as this vacation spot for the common man that they were able to kind of get it going and really get it up and running and profitable again. And um, Mel also, who was her husband, who worked on it with her, also was a total self-starter, right? Yeah. kid uh, from Dorchester. A kid from Dorchester who didn't finish high school and then was self-taught to finish his education and, you know, was working um, for the guy who was having, like, the financial problems with the stuff and figured out, like, how to buy it out and everything. It, just an incredible story and an incredible story of various families through the years who made this happen you know like the 1893 world's fair through grit and just determination and the audacity of deciding that they could do stuff right like you know what i can actually run a resort and you know and cindy said this too and some of the stuff like we made every mistake like we screwed up everything we had no idea what we were doing at first and like you know, everything went wrong. This building burned down. Stuff happened. And, you know, that's how you learn a lot of this stuff, too, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and like she said, and, and uh, coming from somebody, as somebody who worked in hotels, 
that she had to do everything. She learned to do uh, food and beverage, learned to do reservations, learned to do front office stuff, learned to do, uh, you know, housekeeping stuff. You know, it just everything that you have to do everything because you've got no choice. It's got to be done. So I really think that shows just a, a, a strength of character and resolve that you don't necessarily find coming out of colleges today. <laughs> but, um, but um, so yeah, you're right about the new business model is when you drive up there, it, I think, I guess that's the, 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 the business, the secret sauce is that you feel like you are staying somewhere where the Vanderbilts are staying. Mm-hmm. It's utterly beautiful. The sunsets are ridiculous. Actually, actually, Mel Robbins mentions that these experiences shouldn't be something that's just reserved for the rich anymore. And that's mm-hmm. what they've done there. They've made it so that you feel like you feel like that you've done very well in life when you walk <laughs> into that that place. And it's just there's so much happening and it's the way it bustles. And even the, the people golfing. The way the 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 way the grounds look, they're they're perfect. There's there's even charming old signs of some of the old buildings that are there. Mm-hmm. It's just, I'm telling you, it just blew us away. Just the spectacle of it. Um, when we we stayed there, the our rooms were beautiful, overlooked the mountains. You don't have it where you're inundated with so much utter charm. I mean, the people they have made this five-star VIP experience, something that everybody can do. Mm-hmm. And it is it is affordable. I think we were pleasantly surprised at, considering we're feeding four kids, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. Pleasantly Who surprised. Who are the- now at an age, like, we used to be able to trick them and just get appetizers, and they wouldn't notice that they didn't get a meal. But now they're all old enough to want to order their own meal at the mm-hmm. restaurant, which means that, we get hit for six meals at the restaurant. So it's like, it's brutal every time we go out to eat. But yeah, we were pleasantly surprised by how affordable the restaurant meals were at the uh, restaurants there. One of which was Cindy's Dockside, which we loved. Um, Yes. Yes. I had the lobster um, pie, which is Mm -hmm. just a gorgeous thing. I mean, talk about living in luxury. It's a lazy man's lobster pie. Uh, It was already buttery, but she brought over more butter, drawn Mm -hmm. butter, which I mean that is the way to my heart, obviously, and oh, oh, so good. And the kids, for the first time, mm-hmm. had uh, tried um, fried clams, fried clams, full belly fried fried clams, and they all loved them, which was great. Mm-hmm. And there your was your wife, who's also a child, did not try the fried. Alice clams. is afraid of fried clams. <laughs> I but, don't like creepy looking. Oh, it hit the spot. It's so good. Which actually, we, we I have won't to go even eat. T- I'll eat calamari that's shaped like the ring, but not the tentacle ones. And, I'm scared of them. And they kept offering us more tartar sauce, which is some, brings us to our. Uh, we have to have a brief uh, policy discussion here. Mm-hmm. Why is it that most restaurants? And I have a. This is a theory. Okay. That most restaurants give you very little tartar sauce. Cindy's Oxide did not. They kept offering more and more tartar sauce, which is wonderful. But why? Is it that they're like chintzy with tartar sauce? And my theory now mm-hmm. is not that they're being chintzy because it's just mayo and pickles. It's so right. why wouldn't you be chintzy? You could just roll it's probably just almost as cheap as ketchup. My theory is this is that restaurants aren't being chintzy with tartar sauce. Restaurants are noticing that customers only eat so much of it usually. Right. So they're trying to get the out. perfect amount. That's my new theory. But if you guys have theories on why 
tartar sauce is rationed. I would like to know. I, I think it has to do with, with waste. And maybe they're wasting, losing the container. So actually, I should have asked at Cindy's Dockside. But no, you know, this is a, this is a mm-hmm. listener um, a question. We were also at um, a restaurant in Maine the previous week, the Bull and Claw in Wells, Maine. And um, they provided the table with a squeeze bottle of tartar sauce, which it, was a very exciting moment for you. I almost fainted. <laughs> yes. Um, but... Yeah, I've never seen that. <laughs> so, um, so then the, the the oh yes, there's also a great bu- breakfast buffet at the main inn at the resorts of Poland Springs, which is why, by the way, I saw this coming, which is why I brought my hot sauce mm-hmm. in this case, Chelsea Fire hot sauce with me because I like to have um, sausage gravy, and so I whacked out a whole bunch of it with this hot sauce. It's delicious. Sausage gravy and hot sauce is the best stuff on earth, but there are other things there, scrambled eggs and all, more ornate things as well. But the, but the buffet, it reminds me, that room reminds me of the Catskills. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've never been to the Catskills, and they're pretty much all gone, all those resorts. Yeah, everything we know the, about the Catskills is from YouTube documentaries right. and Dirty Dancing. That's yes, exactly. <laughs> the Jewish Riviera is, it was, they used to call it among other things. All those beautiful places are gone, but they look so lovely, and I, I like seeing the old footage of them. Well, this is kind of what I expect that was, mm-hmm. and there is in the in the big lobby that's a big open lobby with a big moose head and uh, some lovely furniture and artifacts from the old hotels and the old um, and the you know water, etc. Pictures all along the walls of celebrities and this and that, but there's also they had in the room, which is this. This is classic. In the big dining room, there's also a stage and a performance area, and so at night it turns into a nightclub, mm-hmm. and we can cl- complete with entertainment. And this is so perfect. I heard this from the lobby. I thought, can I really be hearing this? And she, the the woman at the door let me walk in. By the way, who's the 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 um, the woman who helped us with breakfast? Who you talked to? Pam. At breakfast was awesome with our kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing. It's so great how great everybody was with our kids. Mm-hmm. People know that that's a big stress because the kids are a ticking time bomb at any time, especially the little, little ones that can go off. This from from Jenna at the front desk to uh, to Pam to, oh, we, no, it was um, Brenda who we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. She's great with kids. She's great with adults. She's also a great bartender. She's got a thousand stories. These are all, I don't know any names from other hotels or resorts that i've been to i don't right. because it's just a very generic experience this is different at the uh, poland springs resort um okay so listen to this the bel airs are playing i hear the sound i see the sign it sounds like the band should be called the bel airs listen to this music you hear the people having fun I couldn't ask for anything better than doo-wop. I couldn't ask. It was fantastic. I was so thrilled with this. I've got friends who are into this. My friend Mike wanted to come up. He almost could, almost made it to, to, to go up with his family in Book Room, but they couldn't at last minute. This doo-wop music in this classic place, which was classic Hollywood show business, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's just so perfect. It's utterly perfect. What a great date night it would be. Yeah. 
Why do they fall in love? Mm-hmm. So we were talking about this, and when we were at Cindy's Dockside, there were young people sitting right behind us, as a matter of fact, who were on a date. Hmm. Which brings us to our second question. Yeah, so, and, I, I, you know, I brought this up, too, because we saw a couple that was on a date, and um, <clears throat> there was also a variety of foods on the menu at Cindy's Dockside. Um one of which was they had like a kid's chicken finger basket that one of our kids ordered, but also they had an adult sized chicken finger basket. And mm-hmm. I was reminded of somebody that I knew that I had worked with who claimed that the thing to order always on a first date is the chicken finger basket. Because so, but it does take consideration what you're going to eat on a first date. Well, is this for the woman or the man? Well, for the woman. Okay. So she's saying that. Yeah. Okay. So, because you don't want anything that's going to be like too messy and crazy. Right. You don't want to be getting, like, I love to order a rack of ribs, but you can't eat that on a first date because you're going to have to. That is a bold woman who does that on a first date. (laughs) That is a lot. And like, you're like. getting barbecue sauce on your shirt whatever like you can't do that on the first date um you know but you don't want to be too like order a salad because then you seem like one of those girls who doesn't eat any food right right like even like you don't necessarily want to have a burger because you like have to open your mouth so big and like be like it there's so many like awkward and weird foods you don't want anything that smells too strong like anything fishy you know there's so many considerations here so she claimed it was a chicken finger basket which i don't actually agree with either because i don't well, think i think you seem like a child if you order a well it matters if, if if you're if you're treating the first date like it's a strategic contest then okay the chicken finger basket might work it's not overly interesting but it's safe and so you're actually eating something but it's nothing that you're gonna have to you know you know take a shower to get off of you afterwards that said you know the true dates for me were always frightening i don't even know if i've been on dates maybe (laughs) like three ever i was always 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 very frightened so i'm not a date not a natural dater but but uh, but you and I had talked. We had been communicating before the date. So, right, that's true. Yeah, right. And you seemed to like me. You weren't me, so like going in blind to the whole thing. Right. So, so they, but, you know, if I could do it again, I would think that a date is supposed to be for the very confident and self-assured people with a self-esteem, people with uh, confidence. A date is supposed to be fun. Mm-hmm. So why not order the lobster pie? Throw caution to the wind. Heck with it. It's succulent and wonderful. Why not have fun? And if you're if the guy's paying, don't let him get away with the chicken fingers. Yeah, I know. I feel like steak is safer, though. I feel like you don't want to have a fishy smell on your breath if you're going to try and make out. Well, the guy is not going to complain. You well, can have, if you're the guy, have eaten, do you chewed wanna... on sulfur, and the guy will be fine. If you're a guy, do you want to taste like lobster? When if you're a guy, you're, you're happy to, to be there. No, but what I'm saying is, do you want? Does the girl want to kiss you if you smell like lobster pie? It's a good question. I mean, lobster pie is just—it's all good stuff. It's a good question. I think we any should... fishy smells, like for a first date, should be out, and anything really garlicky. 
or like oniony. I don't know. But I, you know, I think like a steak is a safe first date choice. Yeah. I well, think that's it should good. be something that you eat with a fork and knife so you can show off your table manners too. I I, I agree. Um, Completely. You know, I don't think it should be like finger food or hand And you'd stay food. away from soups and chowders? I mean, soups are okay, but it's kind of in the... I assume we're talking like a dinner date. I don't think you want to be eating... Like, to me, soups and salads and like light sandwiches, that's all like lunchy food. And it all comes off as being like delicate girl food where I don't want to like eat anything that's going to make me fat food. I mean, not that yeah, you yeah. can't get fat from soup, but, you know, it seems like too light almost. Steak, at least you're eating something substantial like an adult. Yeah, you know? I, and or actually, like I would be... a chicken dish, like a chicken piccata, or like, a, I would you be... know, you can do something that's like... But I think you should order something that's clearly an adult meal and something that you eat with a fork and knife. If if I was on a date and she ordered the bone-in ribeye, you know, whatever, medium or or medium rare, I would be highly impressed. Highly impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be a good one. I mean, we haven't even brought in the fact that there'd be drinking involved. And there were some local good uh, beers, main beers. What was it called? Togo beer. Yeah, the Baxter Brewing Company makes a beer named after Togo the sled dog who saved yeah. all the lives in the diphtheria outbreak in Nome, Alaska. Yeah, that so. was a good beer. That was a good beer. And Togo mm-hmm. seems like a great dog, too. A, a, a mischievous dog. Oh, a problematic dog. It actually reminded me a little when we were reading the Togo storybook of um, your reactions to our dog sometimes. <laughs> because Togo, like our dog, was a dog who could literally get out of any fence, uh, collar, uh, what's the thing called? The little, like, cage thing that you put dogs in? Kennel. No, like in dog your, crate. Yeah, dog crate. Mm-hmm. Like our dog, we couldn't crate her. She never was crate trained because she could get out of every crate. She like could flip the latches. She would bend back the door of it through, like deform the door, like Magneto yes. in X Men, like get out yes. of it. It was outrageous. Like our dog, and Togo was like that too. Would like get out of everything. They tried to give him away because he was a problem dog who would like eat all. The guys, mm-hmm. mucklucks and stuff, Leonard stuff, expensive stuff and destroy everything and was like a huge pain. And, you know, they tried to give him away and he would like run away and come back. And he would like, he only found his calling being running like, 700 miles a day or whatever it was because <laughs> yeah. he was an incredible, incredible yeah. athlete for a smaller dog. Right. And in the, uh, down across the, um, uh, across the fairway from the Togo statue is the pool, mm-hmm. where we spent two days, two solid days. I haven't spent pool time like that. And in... Mel's Hilltop Restaurant, right? which is another good restaurant. Well, let me just tell you. So this is the surprise hit mm-hmm. for the kids and I. Alice had to go into the hotel room and do some work, unfortunately, for her, some email marketing, um, some stuff. And um, so I was out there with the kids, and we jumped in the water, played around, and... A, a an extraordinary thing happened. One of the guys in the pool says, "Hey, I listened to your podcast," and so <laughs> I never get that. It, one, I'm never in a pool. Two, I'm never talking to people in the pool. Three, talking to somebody who listened to the podcast. He said, "Yeah, he listened to the podcast, and that's why they were staying there." Which I love. Which is great um, at the Poland Spring Resort. So that was Jeff 
And he was with his wife, JC, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Evan. Kendall and Ada. Evan, Kendall, and Ada. Exactly. So hi, guys, if you're out there. And we managed to later on go and have a kind of nightcap with Jeff out by the Mm -hmm. uh, doo-wop a little bit later. But I want to say the surprise hit at the pool was we ordered some apps. We ordered like uh, onion rings. We ordered uh, chicken fingers. And we ordered buffalo cauliflower, and the kids love the buffalo cauliflower, and it was mm-hmm. delicious because they do describe the cuisine there as a comfort foodish cuisine. Yeah, and so that plays along the lines of it being called the logo um, of the Poland Spring Resort, called the Stress Free Zone. And there's a sign when you drive up there, and you'll see it. Once you drive up there, you may not notice the sign at first because. You're going to be blown away by this gorgeous mansion in front of you. But uh, the stress-free zone is is absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. Stuff I'd never do, like sit on a porch and listen to a podcast, you know, in the morning with a coffee. It was so – the air is clearer, cleaner up there. And there was beautiful fogginess in the morning. Oh, it's, it, just, it just feels better. And so the, it is a stress-free zone. And being in that pool – I don't hang around pools usually. I, I don't do it around here. Uh, but it was just comfortable. It was just allowing yourself to be comfortable. I can't. It, you know what it kind of felt like, Alice? Kind of like a, um, a like a rehab facility, a gorgeous, <laughs> luxurious facility where you can just ugh, exhale for a while, right? And not worry about stress or work or money or this or that, etc. And um, so I think that's interesting. That that. It says stress-free zone, which would be a throwaway line for any place, but mm-hmm. it is absolutely yeah true. So, um, and in that, we all uh, is that about it? I think that about it does it for me. I mean, obviously, we want your feedback as far as those two questions: the tartar sauce and the um, best first date. First date. Best first date. We want to thank Cindy Robbins and the entire staff at Poland Spring Resort. They were. Absolutely wonderful. If you guys are thinking of going somewhere, even you've got kids, or you don't have kids, this place can be romantic and kid friendly. There's there's a we consider it call it secret, although it's public. There's a ornate library that mm-hmm. pops up in the middle of the um, the main inn. There's a game room. There's a reading room. There's so much charming stuff. The reading room has a mint condition National Geographic from 1967 talking about the corn cob buildings in chicago it's like behind every corner there is a new charming secret there so anyway i we i would suggest, suggest you give them a try there aren't i, I mean it, it's the only place like it that i know of the last place the big place in the catskills it seems like maybe it would have been similar has just closed so yeah so do yourself a favor it, it is affordable certainly compared to the cities it's way affordable and it was just a charming uh, time for us. Thoughts? I agree with all your points. All right. As always. Once again, uh, thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. And uh, we're recharged. We're recharged and ready to go. Big week ahead of us. Happy Independence Day. If you're up at the Poland Springs Resort, as a matter of fact, I believe if you're around there, around that part of me near Sebago Lake, mm-hmm. I believe there's fireworks there, Alice. So book Fi- your... Fireworks, um, yes, tonight, I think, are the fireworks, Monday night. Yes, yes, yes. So um, enjoy and have a great Independence Day. We'll see you all later. Mm-hmm.
And I hate nostalgia cause I can't climb up that hill without thinking your name. I hate nostalgia, I still think about you. It's been so long, I'm so lame. I hate nostalgia. Hope you hate it too. Hope you wonder what am I doing and who I'm pursuing. I hope you think I lead a really exotic life the way I think about you. You probably have a wife of your job.